0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Piringer. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. We want to start this new year in the Word of God. And so we want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 today. I'll read verses 1 through 3 here in just a moment. I want to talk about a life of enduring faith now the bible often talks about the christian life as a race when paul was near death in second timothy he talked about the that he had run the race you know he was talking about he had run the race uh, faithfully but when the bible talks about the race of the christian life it's talking more about a marathon it's talking about a long haul it's talking about kind of a distance it's, that's in contrast, say, to a 100meter dash, or a 200meter dash, in the Olympics, where all you need maybe is a short burst of energy, and before you know it, well, you're, you're, you've ended the race. it's over with. Now, someone as out of shape as me might be able to get a burst of energy to run 100 meters. You might need to call an ambulance afterwards, but you know I might be able to get a short burst of energy to run 100 meters. But here's the thing, I would not be able to run a marathon. I would not be able to run the 26.2 miles or whatever it is. Because that requires endurance. And endurance does not come naturally. That is something that is developed over time and with much practice. And there's a spiritual application to this. Because we need that endurance for the Christian life. You know... Here at New Year's, what do we always joke about? We always joke about the resolutions that we make and the resolutions that we break. We don't know why we make them, because we know we're going to break them. But we do that anyway. But here's the thing, the resolutions that we make, they're so short-sighted. We resolve to do something for the new year, something to be complete by December 31st of 2023. And if we get it done, if we haven't already quit by January 10th, We think we've accomplished something. And so, you know, obviously, as Christians, we include spiritual goals in our resolutions and what we want to do, what we want our Christian life to look like this year. But in in terms of thinking of our Christian life in a one-year period, that is just a short sprint in comparison to the marathon of our entire lives. One year is about a hundred meters so you accomplish your goal for December before December 31st okay then what after that so how about instead of breaking our Christian life into short sprints year after year we think on the long term meaning we consider what we want to develop as a Christian before we meet our savior that takes endurance and so i want us to think this new year not about what we want to accomplish for god in 2023 but what can we do to prepare ourselves for the marathon of our entire christian life and the writer of hebrews gives us an idea of how to develop this enduring faith And so i want to read verses one through three of hebrews 12 if you'll stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted let's pray heavenly father i pray that we would desire to develop this endurance within us so that our life will be faithful to the end may we finish our life strong we ask this in jesus name amen thank you so much you may be seated so the writer of hebrews tells us to run the race but to run the race We need to develop this spiritual endurance. And he talks about three ways that we can develop a life of enduring faith to be able to run this Christian race and to end strong. First, he tells us to allow the saints of the past to inspire us. Allow the saints of the past to inspire us. The first part of verse 1, he talks about a great cloud of witnesses that should inspire us to run the race, to develop a spiritual endurance because these witnesses themselves Create, had developed such an endurance now what who who is this cloud of witnesses that he's talking about well back in chapter 11 he talked about what i call the biblical hall of fame the or the faith hall of fame might even be a better name this is where the writer lists and talks about biblical saints whose lives reflected a trust in god a faith in god they had an enduring faith now In the context of what's going on, this writer of Hebrews, whoever he may be, he's writing to persecuted Jewish Christians who needed some encouragement to continue to grow in their Christian walk so they would develop this life of faith so that they wouldn't be shaken, whatever came their way, because they were being persecuted. And so to help them with this, he talks about He gives, really, a great history lesson about all these great men and women of Israel who walked by faith in God and did not walk by sight. These were people who knew by experience God's gracious character, and then they they lived their life in accordance with that. But it wasn't just kind of a one-time thing. It was a lifestyle. They developed this entire lifestyle of faith, all by the grace of God at work within them by the Holy Spirit. And so now, the the writer of Hebrews is reminding these persecuted Christians about these great stories, how these people from the past, they lived a life of enduring faith, they lived by trust in God and faith in God, and so look to them. Look to them as examples. Think about Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and so many more. All these people that are listed in chapter 11 people who reflect an enduring faith. And so the author is telling the readers, the readers back then, and then us, the readers, since we have such people of history to look to, we have such people in history to inspire us, let us run the kind of race of endurance that they had. Let's develop that endurance so we could run that same race. You know, when you're training for something, or you're developing habits, you're developing characteristics within your life. It helps to know that there were other people who came before you who, as the cliche goes, had been there and done that. It's good to know that there were people who went through the same things that you're currently going through. They survived and not only did they survive, they succeeded, they endured. They made it, they ran a great race. Say for example, you're in sports you're an athlete and you need some encouragement. You might think back to the sports greats, the greats of that particular sport, everything that they went through so that they were successful at what they did. Me, I'm never much of an athlete, but let's just pretend, you know, suppose I I play football and I'm a quarterback and I need some inspiration in what I do as a quarterback. And so I will look back to the past for men who endured well in being a quarterback, I might look back to a Bart Starr, a Joe Montana, a Dan Marino, a John Elway, and the like. I would allow their careers to encourage me to something bigger and better. Well, guess what? We Christians have 2,000 years of history of men and women who have lived lives that of trust, of enduring faith, and we can draw inspiration from their lives. What they did, how. They they held to the faith even under the greatest of pressures. Even if they were under persecution. We can look to the past for inspiration. You know, and I don't want our youth, our young people to think, well, uh, you know... Uh, what, what do people that, who died a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, what did they have to say to me? I mean, what, that was a thousand years ago. They have no idea what is going on in my life. What can they teach me? Well, here's the thing. What did Solomon tell us in Ecclesiastes? He told us that there is nothing new under the sun. Yes, no matter your age. There's nothing new under the sun. The same things that you are going through, they went through in some way, shape, or form. And they made it. And they developed lives of enduring faith. And so if you want to run and finish this marathon of the Christian life, yeah, you can look at contemporaries, but you can also learn a lot from the great Christians of the past, there are things you can learn from Wesley, from Whitfield, from Spurgeon, from Moody, from Lewis, and the like. All of us could, doesn't matter what our age is. We can learn so much from the lives of saints of the past to inspire us to run, and to run well. I don't know, I like to read and Obviously, I like read, reading biographies, and I remember this one particular biography of Leonard Ravenhill, who was a great preacher, evangelist, and revivalist of the 20th century. And it just his life inspired me to a closer walk with God and to a greater prayer life. And you know what? If you need some inspiration, you can do the same. You can look to the saints of the past. You can look... To this legacy that these men and women of God have left us about how to live a life of enduring faith how to build that endurance and live faithfully and so we allow the Saints of the past to inspire us but we also need to secondly abandon the obstacles of the world that hinder us we need to abandon the obstacles of the world that hinder us now in the la- later part of verse 1 the writer tells us to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely so now imagine this imagine that I want to run a marathon but before the race starts I take a chain and I attach one end of the chain to an 18-wheeler and the other end of the chain to myself and then I think I'm gonna run the race are you going to run a marathon chained to an 18-wheeler? No, you're not, you're not going to finish the race, much less finish it well. And yet the author of Hebrews here warns us that there are things of this world that spiritually are like chaining ourselves to an 18-wheeler, things that will slow us down, things that will impede us, things that will stop all of our progress of living a life of enduring faith in Christ. And what it tells us to do with these weights, with these encumbrances, is to just get rid of them. Get rid of these things. Take them off. Lay them down. Abandon them. Leave them there. Never return to them. Otherwise, you're chained to an 18-wheeler in a spiritual sense. It does not say, notice, it does not say to, well, you know, try to find a way to make the load easier. Try to learn how to cope with this heavy load that's not what he says he says lay him aside the author is saying do whatever you have to do to rid yourself of whatever this weight is that is slowing you down and honestly the picture that the author gives is something violent something radical do something radical with these things that hinder you Now, you know, he specifically names sin as a hindrance, as an encumbrance, as a weight. So, I mean, that that would seem kind of obvious. I mean, sin will weigh you down so you're not running strong. If there is a constant sin plaguing you, find your victory in Christ and get that weight off of you, whether it be pride, selfishness, worry, (laughs) Uh, pointing at myself. See, I do preach against my own sin every once in a while. Whatever it might be, if it's against God's word, and you know it is, do what you have to do in order to lay it, lay it aside, right? Even Jesus told us that in the Sermon on the Mount. I, I don't have it on the screen, but Matthew 5, 29 and 30, right? Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Or in verse 30, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, Throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, Jesus isn't literally saying, okay, mutilate yourself. What he is saying is get radical with these things. Whatever these obstacles are, get radical with them and get them away from you. Get rid of it. Get radical with it. But here's the thing. Sin is not the only weight that hinders our progress for enduring faith. It could be a relationship with someone that is bad for you. Maybe you're unequally yoked with someone. Or they just plant bad seeds in your life. Lay it aside. You need to break it off. Maybe the hindrance is a TV show that you're watching that is darkening your mind toward the things of God, filling your mind with sin and corruption. Stop watching it. Maybe it's the music you're listening to It's all filled with drugs and violence and sex and darkness and evil. You can't look at me and tell me that doesn't have an effect on you or have an effect on uh, on your children if you're if you're listening to that stuff it's feeding your soul garbage i mean it'd be like me taking you to the the dumpster in the back of the church and just start shoveling it into your mouth feeding you garbage i mean there's a lot of stuff in this world you're feeding garbage you're eating garbage that's what you're doing to your soul if it impedes the marathon, if it impedes the race, if it slows or stifles you from developing in your faith, get rid of it, lay it aside, and then learn to run free. And here's the thing, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a bad thing either. Sometimes good things slow us down because they are not the best for us. We're, we're, we're giving up the best because we're just holding on to the good. One author stated it this way A winning athlete does not choose between the good and the bad. He chooses between the better and the best. What, so ha- what happens so often is we allow ourselves to get so busy doing quote unquote good things that it stifles us. It, we get lost in the middle of these things. And, you know, sometimes we have to learn that two letter word, no. If it's preventing us from building that endurance, if it's preventing us from from running the race well, lay it aside. Get rid of that weight. So how do we build this endurance so that we run the race well? Well, first, we allow the saints of the past to inspire us, and then next, we abandon obstacles of the world that hinder us, and third, today, we affix our focus on the Savior who leads us. We put our focus on the Savior who leads us. Here, the author of Hebrew tells us in verse 2 to look to Jesus. And then in verse 3, he says, consider Jesus. What, it's talk, what these words are talking about is fixing your gaze. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Right? Just like a runner fixes their gaze on the goal. You know, you don't see runners in in the Olympics, you know, running down there, and then they kind of look behind them, and they look over here, and then they look over there. No, that slows them down. What are they doing? Their eye is straightforward, looking toward the goal, the finish line, looking that way. In a similar way, we keep our focus on Jesus. Keep our focus on Jesus to run the race so that we're not diverted we're not turning to the left and to the right we're not looking back we're not looking up here we're not looking around we're looking at jesus as long as we're focused on jesus we're not going to divert from the path but when we allow ourselves to become enamored with the things of the world oh look at that well we get off track right we get off track our pace is slowed we're no longer running the race we, we become distracted from our goal, who is Jesus Christ. But you know what? If, if our, our, our focus is on Jesus, we're going to finish strong. We're going to finish strong. You notice that the author of Hebrews calls Jesus the, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's the ESV translation. Some translations will say that he is the author and finisher of our faith. To call him the founder, to call him the author, means he's the trailblazer. He pioneered the faith. And not only does that mean he is the object of saving faith, I mean, he is. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. But it's also telling us that Jesus, who is 100% man, as much as he is 100% God, he lived a life of complete faith in the Father. He trusted his Father in all that he did. And so he has set an example for us. That we would do the same. With the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we can live the same faith life that Jesus did. And here's the thing. I mean, you think about what Jesus did. He lived this life of faith even knowing where he was heading, knowing he was going to the cross, knowing that he would suffer and that he would die, knowing that the wrath of God for sin would be placed upon him. He still trusted in his Father. He lived a life of faith. He knew that his Father had the plan in place, and so he endured. He knew, he knew the Father is in control. He knew the Father who causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so he's the trailblazer. He's the, he is the founder. He's the author of our faith, not only the faith of what we believe, but the faith in how we live. And how we run the race but he's also called the perfecter the finisher of the faith that that means he brought it to completion and he gives an example of a perfect life of faith you know that's what it means when we say well we want to develop christ likeness we want that life of faith because here's the thing through jesus christ god not only saves us from hell which he does but then he also develops in us the very life of Christ so that our life of faith reflects the same life that Jesus had. And he's gonna see it through to the end. He who began a good work in you will see it to its completion, will see it to the end by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, again, Jesus, we keep our eyes on him. Because he, I mean, he's much more than human. He's not less than human, but he's much more than human. He's God. He is man. But he didn't doubt his father. He didn't doubt that his father would do what he promised to do. Even when he was being cruelly treated, even when he was mocked, even when the nails went through his hands and his feet, he trusted God the fa- that God the Father knew what he was doing. You know, we say say that in a somewhat cliche way, somewhat joking way. Oh, God really does know what he's doing. Well, that's the thing. Do we actually believe that, though? You know, we act so surprised. Oh, God knows what he's doing. That's faith. We live by that, even if we don't see it. Even if it doesn't look like, you know, we're like, Does God know what he's doing? Does he got this under control? Yes, he's God. And we look to the one, to the Savior who lived that out. He knew, his father knew what he was doing. And he saw it through. Even when there was some sort of change in the relationship on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the wrath of god was poured upon him he still trusted that my father knows what he is doing now we need to remember that the author of this epistle is writing to persecuted christians who were who were down who were discouraged and he tells them fix your gaze on jesus focus in on jesus and be encouraged that god has it under control and will empower you to live a life of faith if you would just trust him affix your focus on jesus christ as he leads us to a life of amazing faith i want to close with this thought obviously i mean the olympics have been around for thousands of years And different races have been around for a long time, and there's been a lot of different types of races that tested man's endurance. I read a story about something that happened in 1867, I believe it was. So there was this man, Edward Payson Weston. He became part of a a wager, he and this other guy made this wager, that he wouldn't be able to get from portland maine to chicago illinois in 30 days that's over 1000 miles in 30 days i mean i wouldn't be able to get there in my entire life i don't think and from portland maine to chicago he did it in 29 days and won the wager that takes a lot of endurance to go a thousand some odd miles in 29 days, y'all. But then what it did was it inspired all different sorts of tests of endurance, races of endurance, I don't know what you might want to call it. So it developed into this long distance championship of the world. What would happen is there, there, there were these series of six day races and whoever would go the farthest distance in six days would be the winner. And so a a bit of a rivalry developed between Weston and this other man, Daniel O'Leary, who was an Irish immigrant farmer. And they would kind of, you know, they'd have these races and sometimes Weston would win, sometimes O'Leary would win and kind of go back and forth. But each of these races would push them to the limit because you needed endurance to be able to win this race. Now, I wouldn't be able to, I mean, in six days, I mean, I might be able to get to Owens Crossing or something. I don't know. But I don't, ha- I don't have that kind of endurance. I don't have the endurance to run a 26-mile marathon or anything like that. But I'll tell you what. You know what? I want to run the marathon of the Christian life and run it well. But if I'm going to do that, that takes endurance. I don't, I don't know about you. But I don't want any longer a mediocre cultural Christianity. Let's face it, that's the American church. Mediocre, as Jesus tells the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, lukewarm, vomit you out of my mouth kind of Christianity. I don't want that anymore. I want a life of faith like Abel, like Noah, like Abraham, like Moses, like David, like John, like Paul. And I hope you have that same desire. But the only way we're going to be able to build that endurance, to run the race well, is we allow the saints of the past to inspire us, we abandon the the obstacles of the world that are trying to hinder us, and we affix our focus on the Savior who's going to lead us in this way. You know, you look at Hebrews chapter 11, and you see it talking about all these saints and all these people, And you might think that they're, well, that's them. They're different. They are men and women just like us. They were not part of some superhuman race. They're not superheroes. They're not like the Avengers of of Christianity or faith or, or anything like that. They were ordinary people who trusted God. They focused in on him, and by God's empowerment, they lived by faith. They lived by trust, and they finished the race well. Here's the thing. We Can do the same and so let's think long term what do I need to do for the long term for the long haul so that when God calls me home I have endured and I have lived a life of faith what do I need to begin now to endure decades from now and so Christian will you come to the altar today to pray that 2023 would be a year of clarity for you where you would think long term you would think about what do i need to do to develop this enduring faith that goes well beyond 2023 but it's going to last your whole life come and pray at the altar for that but you know what some of you aren't even entered into the race you think well i have a moral code or I participate in some sort of spirituality, might even be I go to church every once in a while. You think that is a life of faith, but that's not the life of faith. Faith, true faith, has a starting point, and that starting point is in Jesus Christ alone. The author of Hebrews said it's Jesus Christ alone who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so you start there or you don't start at all. Jesus Christ is God the Son who became a man who lived the life that we couldn't live, died the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins so that we would have peace with God. And so we put all of our trust in him and then we begin the race. Some of us have a long race, some of us have a shorter race, but it's a race nonetheless. How are you going to finish the race? How are you beginning? How are you ending? Let's think about that as we think about this new year. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry